This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI Senior Writer Al Castle. Back once again with my co-host, Brian Solomon. Happy New Year, Brian. Happy New Year, Al. Happy to be here, as always. Yes, and joining us for this episode, a very loaded, very newsworthy episode, is our boss, editor-in-chief of PWI, Kevin McElvaney. How are you? Happy Good. New Year to you. Yeah, Happy New Year. Good to be back on the podcast. Feels like it hasn't been that long, but it probably has been longer than I realize. Yeah, it's been a few weeks. Uh, this is a, the first podcast of 2023, and um, we are just weeks into the year, and we already have a, a few stories that I think will probably be in the running for you know top 10 stories of the year, um, and not necessarily good news, uh, obviously. So we're going to be talking uh, about all of them. Obviously, the, the most pressing being uh, the tragic uh, death of Jay Briscoe. We're going to talk about that in just a bit. Uh, I'm sure it caught all of us by surprise. Um, and then also for we're doing a little bit of an experiment here, uh, bringing back a, a feature that we haven't seen in uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated for a number of years, the PWI Roundtable. And uh, we thought this might be a good opportunity to kind of uh, do double duty here with the podcast and uh, a feature for the magazine. We're going to be talking all things WWE, the sale, the return of Vince McMahon, the departure of Stephanie McMahon, uh, some other uh, newsworthy departures, um, all of them kind of related uh, a, a huge uh, first few weeks of 2023 for WWE, and we will uh, talk all about it in uh, just a moment. Uh, real quick, let's talk about uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the, the latest issue. Uh, Kevin, it is not out yet. The digital edition is out. The print edition is not correct, and it is one of uh, our big tentpole issues, the uh, year in wrestling, the Achievement Awards. Yeah, it's uh, available for print pre-order. It's going to be on sale in a couple of weeks uh, from the time we're recording this. But the digital edition, I would highly recommend uh, people purchase that specifically on the PWI web app. So it's pwi.zinioapps.com. And that's also linked on our, our homepage at pwi-online.com. But once you buy it on that app, whether you buy, if you subscribe, it'll start with that issue right away. It'll start you immediately uh, right off with the most recent, which is the awards issue. Or if uh, you just buy that single issue, either way, whatever you purchase using that same login that you make for that will work across all your devices. And I don't think we've been as clear as we could be about that, but basically you can buy this and, and you know, you're spending a few bucks on the issue and then you can take it, you can read it on your iPad, your iPhone, your Android, your laptop, and you get it in the, the customized formats that look best on each. So it really is a good deal to uh, get the digital edition and you get it before the print. So. Yep. And and as I mentioned, I know this is one that everybody uh, seeks out. Uh, I always have. Uh, by now, some of the news might be out there. We're going to hold off uh, on going into depth in the awards uh, to a future episode. We might wait until the magazine is out and you actually hold it in your hand. Uh, but obviously, we're talking wrestler of the year, match of the year, uh, woman of the year, tag team of the year. Um, and, and absolutely um, lots of big news there. These are chosen by you, so you can't get on, on our case about uh, these <laughs> ones. Um, but uh, as, as Kevin mentioned, head over to our website to make sure you pick it up and uh, subscribe and make sure you don't, uh, you know, we're at the beginning of, of another year and uh, another, we're already talking about our WrestleMania issue and 
so much more. So um, good way to start the year. Go ahead and subscribe to Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Um, okay, guys, uh, uh, let's jump into it here. And uh, this one is obviously uh, not pleasant to, to talk to. You know, every time you've got a, a death in wrestling, um, we talk about how sad it is. It really does feel like this one, given the circumstances, really hit the wrestling community hard, really a heartbreaker in part because you're talking a guy who was essentially still uh, in his uh, his prime. And, you know, you could argue still hadn't achieved everything um, there was to achieve. But beyond that, um, a father, um, a, a friend, we've, we've heard all the outpouring um, of love for Jay Briscoe early in the week. I guess it was Tuesday night we got word uh, that he was killed in a car accident in uh, his home, Laurel, D- Delaware. Uh, I-, I think taking his two daughters to cheerleading practice. I mean, there's there's certainly some irony there for a guy who works such a dangerous style, who we last saw in a uh, a double dog collar match, bleeding all over the place, going through tables, and uh, you know meets his end, uh, dropping off his daughters to cheerleading practice absolutely heartbreaking um you know fascinating in that he was a guy who as far as as wwe or or even AEW, never really reached um the the major major leagues and we could talk a little bit about you know what was behind some of that you know at, at times jay briscoe was his own worst enemy but even despite that um you know it, it the, the outpouring for him really spoke to the uh, the imprint that he left in, in the wrestling business that everybody from, you know, Triple H to on NXT, they're acknowledging it uh, live, um, really left uh, a huge, huge legacy, uh, but an absolute heartbreaker. Uh, Brian, I'll ask you, what was your reaction to the, the news of the death of Jay Briscoe? Uh, shock. I mean, just like everybody else, just shock. And then like as the details were starting to come through slowly, but surely then learning that his kids are in the car with him and that sort of thing. And as a parent, it's just unthinkable and very hard to wrap your head around. You know, I had the the responsibility of having to write it up as part of the wrestling news and that kind of thing. And, and just having to be detached and impartial as a writer and be writing about something that is very, I'm just glad I didn't have to be the one that had to read it. Um, That was Mike Sempervivi, but I mean, just, I, I don't know, impossible to to truly comprehend. Like you said, and it's the trite thing that everybody says, but it's true. It's like you you just never know when something like that could happen. Um, you know, just to always tell people you love them and, and just never, you never know when it's going to be your last time. It's like you, you were saying how it's so different. It's different from a lot of the other ones we hear about. Sometimes you hear about these things and either somebody's either extremely old or sick, like, you know, Antonio Inoki, or it's a situation where it's somebody that, you know, was struggling with things for a long time, like a Scott Hall, where you're, you know, yeah. it's not something like this. It's just act of God. You know, I mean, what, what can you say? It, it's truly, truly tragic. And under under contract to a major wrestling company, you know, right now it's it's a major blow major yeah and and obviously this is about so much more um than wrestling when you talk about uh two little girls losing their dad and um um, his wife losing her husband and obviously mark losing his brother um but what we do is talk about wrestling right so so that that is part of this and and kevin um what can you say about and this is one of the real sad things is you know 
thankfully Mark is still around. We don't know what the future is for him, but this is the end of the Briscoe brothers, right? Yeah. And um, now that there is some finality to that, you could look back on, um, and, and it's crazy because I mean, they, they were just in one of the, the most talked about matches of the year um, a month yeah. ago, but now you can look back on that, you know, as kind of a, a closed chapter. What is the legacy of um, the Briscoes in wrestling? And even Jay Briscoe, because uh, even though they are best known as a tag team, uh, Jay obviously had a very successful singles career, more so than Mark, a two-time world champion uh, in Ring of Honor. Um, And, uh, you know, I I tweeted about it. I mean, to me, as much as in in some ways they were so different than everything else in Ring of Honor, they also, in, in some ways, really kind of encapsulated that Ring of Honor spirit in being different, in being the rebels. Yep. And, and that rebel um, spirit, uh, I, I think, is, is part of their legacy and why they're, they're um, so revered and will be remembered so well, but also at times is what held them back, right? Yeah, it's, well, there's a lot to, to touch on there, um, as you said. I think the most notable thing is the shift in how we're referring to Jay and to the Briscoes as, you know, uh, now they're, it is sadly the end of them as, as a tag team act and attraction. Um, I'm always a bit reticent inside the magazine. Like if, if, if something crosses my desk or if I'm writing something myself and, you know, headed toward using this kind of language, I don't like using the words greatest of all time, legend, that sort of thing to refer to people who are still active. And that's maybe that's an old fashioned quality. And I think there should be some time to look back and and reflect. But like the reality is we already knew that this was a Hall of Fame tag team, that this was among the most influential, popular and we'll, we'll say it greatest, greatest tag team tag teams of all time. If you want to look at, you know, despite them not being this major drawing card on a widely uh, viewed TV promotion. They were, you know, cornerstones of Ring of Honor and Ring of Honor at its peak did did do, you know, very well and was arguably the number two in the US. And you had their style influencing so many other teams, you know, I mean, do you have the Young Bucks or the Usos without yeah. the Briscoes? I mean, probably not. You know, they, I think they look like very different tag teams. Um, and you know, the, the two of them, what they did in the ring stands on its own. I mean, 13 time ring of honor tag team champions. That that's remarkable. They had several, they, they held several of their major championships just with, you know, within the last year, they had the in, in impact, um, you know, on the independent circuit at, at game changer and house of glory wrestling. Um, you know, they won the Crockett cup last year. They were, they were on the cover of our magazine. I think that was the first time they were on the cover of our magazine, but it was, you know, very much in the uh, the vein of of tag teams from the the 1980s, and like that this is a major achievement. And I, what I think is nice because you know there has been controversy, and we you know we'll get into it more specifically, but um, around the Briscoes at times, and Jay, you know, again potentially being his own worst enemy. I think this run over the last couple of years has really cemented them as an all time great team. Um, and I think beyond that what we have heard about Jay now and over the last couple of years, you know, uh, comments he's made in the past things, you know, that have been, uh, understandably seen as very offensive. Um, he has for, by all accounts, been incredibly remorseful about them. Um, and you know, I can only, I don't know Jay on a personal level, but I can speak to a lot of people I know do know him and have just said he's the sweetest guy, uh, you know, 
really treats everybody with respect. Um, like total opposite from his entering character because he's just this, you know, maniac in the ring and he's just like wants to get out there and hurt people, but behind the scenes, the farthest thing. Um, and I mean, I can, he's put this out there, but but Paul Pratt, one of our contributing writers who moonlights as uh, Pollo Del Mar and NWA, um, you know, got to know the Briscoes over the last couple of years. And, you know, Paul, Paul's openly gay and his, Pollo is, is a character in drag. Uh, so, you know, very uh, like openly LGBTQ uh, community member there who, uh, you know, basically said, Look, you can feel how you want with about the Briscoes and about a comment that that uh, Jay Briscoe made years ago. But I truly believe that he has sp spent all of these years since he first apologized for it, being very sorry that he uh, uh, that he has worked to understand other people. And I mean, the truth is, like, he just seemed like a very, very genuinely good person um, and and somebody who wanted to treat other people well and his family well above all else and i i realize it covered a lot of ground there and we can get yeah. more in the weeds with some of it but that those yeah, are I, my thoughts a lot lots of thoughts <laughs> you know i and and i uh, i think what you're you're talking about and it is um you know it, it's an adjective i use a lot when um talking about the the usos and as you touched on i think a lot of that might have been influenced by the briscoes and it is authenticity right i mean they felt real for you know warts and all and 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 that's where some of the controversy came from but it's also what what made them uh and maybe jay in particular human right was that yeah. he was a flawed guy who maybe inherited certain um uh, thoughts and views of the world um that are held by a lot of people and i think as you're touching on um now getting out there in the world and coming to know more people, um, I think maybe opened his mind and, and changed the views uh, of some things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, uh, to, to a man, um, everybody's talked about what a, what a sweetheart of uh, a guy uh, he is. And um, a guy who touched the careers of so many people uh, because the reality is when you think about ring of honor, um, certainly for, for the first 10 years or so, it was, the factory for future stars and you look at WWE now and whether uh, and AEW and whether you're talking about everybody from Kenny Omega, Brian Daniels and Kevin Steen, Seth Rollins, um, the Bucks go on and on. I mean, they all came through there and th that one um, kind of a, a steady force in Ring of Honor all those years was the Briscoes. And part of it is because of this, because they couldn't get hired uh, anywhere else. Uh, but it almost um, contributes to their legacy because they're sort of the the, the punk rock band that never went uh, mainstream, right? And that, that never sold out. And it's not to say that they wouldn't have if they they had the chance, but they didn't. And you know, I, Jay Briscoe, I think, was on the very first Ring of Honor show and um, was there winning the, the the tag team championship at Final Battle uh, last year. Um, so, you know. You talk about, and I think they did get into the Ring of Honor Hall of Fame, which is a, a new thing. I mean, you can name the Ring on Ring of Honor Hall of Fame after the Briscoes. They they really are Ring of Honor, um, like like nobody else. Um, but but Brian, uh, you know, I guess the other side is, uh, and it's really to talk about this, but 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 sometimes, um, when you you get an artist or somebody who uh, is brilliant in, in their career and they die young, um. 
their legacy can sometimes be kind of blown up and romanticized beyond what it really was. Is there a chance of that here or or the Brits? I think they they really were that great. I mean, um, and I just wrote their their write up for the uh, the tag team uh, 100, and again, the frustrating part is that like as great as they are, it's like God, you, you guys could be even bigger than this, you know. I would call them, in my opinion, I would call them the greatest tag team of the last 20 years that never worked for WWE. I would oh, yeah. feel very, very confident in saying that. And But like you said, a part of the reason why they never went to a bigger company is because of those controversies. I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I was trying to keep track of them while you guys were talking, so I'm going to do my best to sort of represent it all. Sure. One thing I want to mention, too, is because you, you mentioned about Poya Del Mar. There was also a very high-profile tweet from Effie, who, as we all know, is a major, um, a high-profile person within the gay community of the pro wrestling business, also echoing very similar sentiments. I think that, you know, somebody like Jay Briscoe is a classic example of why we need to give people space to grow and learn and progress and evolve. And we can't, it's a very different world now because we have social media, we have the ability to know what everyone is thinking about every subject. And I think, you know, it, it's unfortunate. Like if you went back in time pre-Twitter and you, and you and if Twitter existed and you learned what some of the most revered people in sure. pop culture thought about every little thing, we would all be very shocked and disappointed in many people. And now it's different. So, you know, you have to operate differently. But I think for somebody like him who was willing to learn and grow and change, there has to be an opportunity. We can't just banish people to the cornfield forever. Um, you know, if someone is unrepentant, if someone is unwilling to learn and change, it doesn't recognize what they did. That's something different. But there has to be a way back for people. And I, I know, and I'll go one step further to say that there's a certain amount. I, I was very disheartened to learn about that Warner Brothers Discovery would not allow AEW to yeah. give him any kind of a tribute. I, I find it to be it's a certain kind of corporate cowardice. I, I'll just say it. Like I don't. I, I I'm too cynical to think that it's out of any kind of altruism. I think it's out of fear. These corporations are afraid of the repercussions and ramifications. And sometimes you just have to take a stand with somebody that truly deserved it. In his case, truly deserved it. Something should have been done. Like I said, there's gotta be a way back for people who deserve it. You know, I think sometimes it's unfortunate. Like I said, that we live in a time where we have to know what everybody thinks about every little thing. There was no need to even know what, Jay Briscoe thought about those topics. It, it it just bore no relevance. But but that's a moot point. We live in a time when those I mean, things are known. And and look, yeah. uh, like like I'm sorry, just one second, Kevin. Yeah, like yeah, what, what Al alluded to, the views of Jay Briscoe, especially if you go back 20, 30 years, would have unfortunately been the views of the majority of straight Americans. And well, he, he the the way he phrased it was a little more extreme. Though. Was shocking, but, yes, absolutely, right. was shocking. No, and I don't mean to say to the extent that he expressed them. I just sure. mean his his kind of anti Homopho homophobia. Yeah, right. I yeah. mean Barack Barack Obama. I was about to make that point. Barack Obama was was uh, Barack against Obama gay marriage, was yeah. against gay marriage twenty years elected, ago. Yeah. Hillary Clinton. Less than that when he, when he was elected. Yeah, the country changes. People change. The the kind of 
whatever is the mainstream view shifts and changes. And even putting that aside, the, he changed. He changed his views. And, and, you know, what do we expect of people? There has to be a way to change and grow. And I don't think anybody should be punished for something they said years and years ago that they have apologized for to just to be continued to be punished for it. I, I find to be pointless, especially when someone's died. And I know I'm going on and on about this. It's just not the time. I see this happening a lot on Twitter. It's like we we have this pathological need to dance on the graves of people when they die and to dig up everything that they ever said or did. And, you know, the the fact that there are two children that lost their father and a wife that lost their husband, like in my mind, that's the bigger issue in the moment than to try to come out and be like, I'm the virtuous person who's going to point out the horrible things he's... It's not the time for that. I mean, maybe it's being a parent that makes me think that way, but that's my view, Kevin. I'll let you talk now. I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. Sure. No, I was, I, I, what I was going to say is this is also somebody who, this isn't something he said a couple of years ago and then made a big phony apologize for, and then apology for, and then never, you know, evolved past that. I think he, you know, has been contrite continually over the years and has, you know, again, worked to grow. And I don't think if anyone said, Hey, how could you say that? He'd be like, Oh, he wouldn't, he wouldn't say, Oh, what do you mean? It was years ago. Forget about it. He probably would have been, uh, you know, the first to say this was, yeah, I never should have said that. That was wrong. Um, but, but as you said, yeah, people are grieving there. I, there are people who I, uh, am, am uh, mutual friends with on, on, on Twitter who are, uh, you know, have been very outspoken about him over the years. They're like, kind of, look, you can like him if you want, but I'm never going to forget this thing. Or I don't like that they used to wear Confederate gear, which is a whole other discussion, you know, uh, like, and, and that's their right. Like people can feel all they want to feel. Um, but even those people were kind of like, look, people are grieving. This guy had a lot of friends. This guy had, you know, they're genuinely upset. Like, say, like, go, go write it in your diary or something for now. Cause it's, it, it is like a really uh, it's not to say that you can't have conversations, but this was this really, truly was not the time and the place, especially for someone who had uh, grown so much. But Brian, as you said, uh, actually three kids, because he has a son as well. Um, his son was at home safely oh, right, and was yes. not in the car. But but the, I, I, I also want to add, uh, you know, his daughters were badly injured. And this yeah. accident, you know, yeah, there was, I guess there was, one of them um, last I heard, I guess, hadn't recovered feeling in, in her legs or she was beginning to recover feeling. But like the lower part of the legs, it, it, it's it's obviously developing. And I mean, hopefully her condition will continue to improve. But that's, you know, they're going to have to live with the trauma of that forever with a dad who, by all accounts, was very hands on, loving yeah. family man who they, you know, the, 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 it, if you don't, if you have a, a like a, a, an average run of the mill relationship with your dad, for lack of a better word, like you're not super close, but he's your dad, you're still going to be devastated. Yeah. If you're in a car with an Uber driver you've just met and that happens, you're going to be devastated. And then this is their loving father who they have this incredibly close relationship with. You know, early in the pandemic, you had Jay Briscoe. He was doing practicing cheerleading uh, routines with his daughter and Ring of Honor shared that yeah, on, on social media. Yeah, and it's just all you hear is that from anybody who knows this guy, you never ha have anybody say, "Oh, this guy was just an ass. I, I I never liked him." That's never ever the answer. It's it's always people saying what a great guy he was. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel bad that we're even talking this long about the the negatives yeah. because even well, though I think <laughs> it's 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 his whole legacy, right? I mean, it's yeah. it, it's it's a picture of the whole life, and and right. um, 
Yeah, I mean, and and I think if if it weren't for the the, the various forks in the road um, and yeah. decisions that he made in his career, he's not in that car, right? I mean, he's he's not driving his daughters to to cheerleading because, frankly, it is a um, and and in, in in that sense, maybe he wouldn't have had it any other way as far as um, having that luxury of being able to be that available as a dad for his daughters. I do think he eventually would have come back to that, honestly, especially as time went wore on and maybe a WWE career was not as secure as it once was. I, I do think you're seeing more people like that now who are realizing kind of what's important and like, yeah. hey, I can make a whole lot more money here or I could be home with my kids. And, you know, to his credit, I think he eventually would have circled back to that. And it just it just makes it all the more tragic. Yeah, I mean, um, maybe it's a conversation way down the line to have with with Mark Briscoe. Um, but in some ways, you feel like, you know, they ended up where they were supposed to end up and, and yeah. um, you know, built this. And you always wonder if they did go to WWE or, any, you know, would they have been the Briscoes? I mean, could they have um, wrestled the style and and been as authentic and, and, and done the act that they did for all those years? Uh, within the corporate setting of uh, a WWE, and I'm sure they would have made a lot more money, but but um, I don't. Um, it it wouldn't have been as kind of pure as um, the Briscoes that we've had uh, all yeah. these years, for better or for worse. Right, they might have become the the new Bushwhackers, right? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, but but that's the trajectory it. that they had. I mean, they were the sheep herders. They were vicious, wild, bloodthirsty lunatics, right? Yeah. And then they went to WWE and they became a kids act, and they made a ton of money, but they their whole act changed. I mean, you know, they definitely would have been able to use blood, and that was a big part of their of their act. But um, it's a big loss. They, they were, I mean, j just a, to touch a little bit more on, on again, why we're talking about them, which is the wrestling. What an act, you know, and, and I started going to Ring of Honor shows in 2006, and they were one of those acts that very early on um, captivated me. And I remember uh, being in the building for that feud with uh, The Age of the Fall, which was uh, Tyler Black and Jimmy Jacobs, right? Um mm -hmm. Um, so. Tyler Black now being Seth Rollins. And, mm -hmm. you know, this was in front of a few hundred people in the Manhattan Center, the, the Grand Ballroom. And um, it felt so special. It felt like such a big deal in part because of, again, the, the Briscoes had a way of making everything feel like such a big deal. And those, you know, before there was even a weekly Ring of Honor TV show, they used to have um, this kind of weekly 10-minute uh, uh update on youtube um that was their weekly television and i remember those pro i remember them like holding chickens and <laughs> and doing it from the farm and it was just so raw and and real and um they never lost that i mean it, it, it was they were unlike any other act and you know one of the cliches you hear all the time about uh, a, a wrestler is you know, he, he put out, he worked as hard in, in front of a hundred fans as he would have in front of, you know, 60,000 fans at WrestleMania with the Briscoes. That really was the case. I mean, maybe to a fault because you'd be in, in some of these small shows and they'd be killing themselves and you'd be like, what are you doing? Well, why are you doing this? Uh, but, but they really left it all out there and um, you know, they're both great. I mean, you can't help, but, but speak uh, about them as a unit. But uh, I do think, and I think I, I imagine Mark would say as much, Jay did stand out. Jay did go on to, and, yeah. and there was that 
time where they were hemorrhaging stars, right? And when, when Brian Danielson left for mm-hmm. WWE and Kevin Steen left and, and on and on. And um, that's where they turned to Jay Briscoe and uh, put the title on him twice. And he more than, than held up his end and, uh, you know, gave you big time main events. And in some ways, you know, when you talk about the great Ring of Honor champions, his name might not be one that comes up. You know, people will talk <clears throat> Samoa Joe and CM Punk and right. Brian Danielson. But in some ways, Jay Briscoe really was kind of like the quintessential Ring of Honor champion. Yeah, he held it down during a, a crucial period, as you said. And I mean, he went from being this tag team guy who by no means should have been as successful as a singles. You know, he shouldn't have been able to handle it at the level that he did, but he, he certainly he certainly did. He was number seven in the 2015 PWI 500. That's, yeah, wow. And that's during a period, you know, there was by no means a guarantee that Ring of Honor is doing well then, but there was no guarantee that a Ring of Honor champion would be in the top 10 because it was – you know, there was a lot going on around then. Um, and, and WWE was very hot and so on. Um, but the fact that he did is really a testament to his adaptability, his loyalty to that company. You know, I mean, his for better, for worse, or you can, you can debate all day about what might have happened if he'd been able to go somewhere else. But he, you know, really ended up meaning so much for that company. And I think it comes back to what you said, this authenticity and a sense of being genuine and not, you know, I mean, certainly there was a, a dividing line between Jay, the character, Jay, the, Jay, the man, like I said, he's more, he's aggressive and angry in the ring and he's, he's not like that <laughs> at all outside of it. Um, but it's, you know, I mean, they were, they were the chicken farmers from Southern Delaware who just kind of went out and, uh, you know, people keep sharing that, the either quoting or sharing that clip with the, the Terry Funk didn't wear no mouthpiece, like while they were feuding with, uh, uh, who were they? Uh, it might have been uh, the was it the American Wolves, but it was it was a, it was a like an MMA centric kind of team, and like you know they were really a throwback to this Smash Mouth old school tag team, you know, like the Sheep Herders or uh, like so many other teams that would just go out there and have have these wild brawls. Um, and I think people really connected with that. And I, I mean, I can say you know we're coming up. I, I talked to you guys a little bit about this, but we're coming up on another press deadline and there wasn't a ton of time or space to do like substantial coverage of Jay's career, but he wound up being the focus of, uh, you know, several columns. Um, and there, there's a little something else that we, we put in the issue for his fans. Cause I, I think the Briscoes are such the kind of person who'd be listening to this podcast, who would be subscribing to our magazine is they're, they're a Briscoes fan because you know, they they are pro wrestling there are these these larger than life characters yet still steeped in reality they wrestle this super intense style no matter where they are uh you know they kind of they, they are the business and they defined uh ring of honor during those core years and yeah. i think by by working the style that they worked because i know yeah. you we were talking about oh they're doing this in front of a few hundred people and they're killing themselves it was sort of like a gamble that they took that paid off because by doing that, they wound up building their legend and their legacy and curiosity and people wanting to see them and getting yeah. better bookings and things, hearing about what they were doing, word of mouth. You know, that was a chance to take. I mean, there's a lot of people that try to do that and it goes nowhere and they destroy themselves for nothing, honestly. But like in their case, that was not the case. Like it really built 
there, even though smaller groups of people were seeing it at a time, it built their reputation in the business. And in the long run, it helped them become what they were. Yeah, yeah. And and if there is any solace, it, it is that there is such a, a body of work there. And I imagined a, a body of work that only now a lot of fans are going to discover. The reality is, you know, a lot of people still never heard of the Briscoes or only uh, saw them for the first time through AEW and the feud with uh, FTR. But I mean, this was news on CNN, NBC. So I imagine some folks are going to uh, go out and, and seek out um, these matches. And because they've been at it for so long and they were there as all these great teams were coming up, um, there is such an incredible body of work there. I mean, the, the, the when you think about like the great tag teams of uh, the past 20 years, they've worked with almost all of them, right? The Usos might be the one exception. I would have loved to have seen uh, the Briscoes versus the Usos. Can you imagine? Yeah, but um, the Hardys, FTR, um, you know, the Young Bucks, the American Wolves, on and on. I mean, the, the, the real great uh, tag teams of the last 20 years, uh, they all went through um, the Briscoes. I don't remember if it was Mark or Jay. Maybe you guys remember, but one of them tweeted a, a, a rather negative response to the Usos being number one on the tag team list this year. Did you guys see that? I don't remember which one it was. I saw it was something like... Uh... Like basically, F the Usos was essentially <laughs> right. what it was. Well, they, and, and I do think they were working. <laughs> right? Honestly, no, I, I, know, I, I think know. there's a. I think there's a lot of mutual respect between those three yeah. teams that were at the, the top. Usos tweeted about uh, Jay's death. Uh, they did. One or both of them. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, uh, and there was also uh, um, it was the Briscoes tweeted. You know, like imagine if we'd been on TV because they were number three because they right. Yeah. Oh right, that's, amazing, that's like, part of undeniable it, yeah. year. And then uh-huh. FTR said, like, yeah, then you could have been number two, meaning like <laughs> FTR should have been number. Right. But it was right. just, uh, yeah. and it's cool. But see, I mean, but that's the incredible thing, though, that yeah. they, they weren't on TV and they still were what, number three? Was it number three? Yeah. And I mean, they, I mean, it, they had some matches in Impact, but I mean, that wasn't, they didn't have a lot of matches in Impact and they were mostly on right. pay per view. Right. Um, and then, you know, I mean, yeah, NWA streaming, everything else is, is streaming. They, they certainly had like a profile. They weren't like, in, you know, doing this in, in, in quietly in some VFW. Right. But, although they did have shows like that. Um, but it is good that they got to this. They were able to, if this horrible thing was going to happen, I'm glad that at least beforehand they were able to kind of ascend to that level again. Yep. It's fitting. And I mean, I was listening to, uh, uh, I think it was Wrestling Observer Live a day or so ago, and it was you know, Brian Alvarez is reading out just messages from Observer readers. And a lot of people are saying stuff to the effect of, you know, I actually, I mean, I'd heard their name. I never watched the Briscoes before this FTR feud. And since then I've been going down the rabbit hole and they're incredible. And that's, that's an awesome thing. Like that's the best you can hope for when you have these kind of, it's weird to call them cross-generational teams. They're not like way, way different in age, but um, you know, these teams from these uh, different, uh, different ways into the business. business they started so young, right? I mean, I, yeah. I, I heard, um, uh, I guess it was Meltzer saying that. Yeah. So Jay was wrestled on the first ring of honor show, but Mark didn't because he was too young. I guess he yeah. was like 15 or something. So, I mean, it, and, and they've been at it so long and, and I and guess Jay being the older that, brother, neither I was think, even 40 years old yet. I think Mark was even like wrestling. I, I had heard, I heard like way back that he was wrestling places. 
like under a mask so that they didn't know who it was because yeah. if the athletic committee i don't know how true that is because there's paperwork and stuff you have to fill out but who, but who knows wrestling's a you know, carny business but yeah it's it yeah they were at it for for a long time and still going you know really hard and i i think it's it's very cool that you have uh this new generation of focus a renewed focus on tag team wrestling and for them to be so heavily in the mix with it it's it's an awesome awesome deal our our tag team ranking is only uh three years old now but you got to think if it had been around for any you know length of oh, time, yeah. 20 years they would have been number one several times i mean there there were years where they were tag team wrestling uh in in the usa i mean you think about the years where there would be tag team champions were you know michael mcgillicuddy and, and david atunga and or like or like what, Jarrah show or something like maybe yeah yeah and what Jarrah's. the briscoes were doing in a ring of honor was just yeah. absolutely revolutionary so anyhow um you know suffice to say our condolences go out to uh the uh the, the pew family um mark his daughters his son everybody and just an absolute tragedy and um for for fans who who don't know that much you go seek him out just do a youtube search on on uh, briscoes and, and you'll be absolutely blown away by uh, what you see find some of those latter wars with uh generico and and steen or the age of the fall but just amazing amazing stuff um so even before this happened we had another story that w- was enough as i touched on to be one of the biggest stories not just of the year but but of our lifetimes in wrestling um, you know, last year we had it with Vince McMahon stepping down and then we had whatever it was, six or seven months there, which in, in some ways was like WWE paradise. It was like what what rest, what what WWE could be like um, post Vince McMahon. And uh, we talked about it a little bit on, on the last uh, podcast. Brian, you, you weren't buying that that there was much. But sure enough, Vince McMahon uh, is back. Um, and that's only part of the story. Um, he, he is back to uh, facilitate a sale of WWE. Uh, Stephanie McMahon is gone. Some others are gone. Um, and it just seems like a, a completely new day for, for WWE. And frankly, um, you know, to each his own, but certainly for me and, and a lot that I followed, this doesn't feel like good news, right? I mean, none of it does. Uh, so I guess we could start there. Um Brian, I'll ask you this: Is it good news, and and is there a way that this becomes good news? The only the only person this is good news for is Vince McMahon. Uh, that's it. It's and 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 you know, <laughs> I I don't know. It I guess I underestimated or I overestimated Vince's similarity to other human beings, uh, in the sense that anybody else in his shoes at his age accomplishing what he has with the wealth that he has having grandchildren and all that stuff would have just been like, you know what? I'm good. All right. You guys do this. I'm going to let the money roll in. I'm going to go to Italy, which I guess he did for a month, which is unthinkable. Somebody should make a movie out of that or a TV series (laughs) or something. Vince McMahon in Italy, like just the thought of that. And I'm going to spend time with my grandkids. You would have just given up at that point. Not to mention the fact, look, I'll make it political. This is all on me. We're living in a post-Trump world where where rules don't apply and people could just do whatever they want. And the, the the fact that you know nobody would have tried this before because they wouldn't have thought they could have gotten away with it. <laughs> and that's the only reason why. And Vince McMahon just said, you know what? Screw it. I'm just coming back. 
yeah, there's a board of directors. Guess what? I'm a majority voter. So I'm going to just change the board and let's have a vote. Should I be the chairman? Oh, great. I'm the chairman now. Like any, you know, no one would have been shameless enough to do that except for him. And I do think a big part of it is the fact that they seem to be doing better without him. I think this is very much a case of if I can't have it, no one's going to have it. And screw right. you, screw you guys. I'm going to come in and, you, oh, you don't want it to be sold? You want to you wanna make your mark? Oh, you're going to vote against me to come back? Which they all did, by the way, including Nick Khan, who was just effusively admir- admiring Vince McMahon on Bill Simmons' podcast. He voted against him coming back. Stephanie voted against. Hunter voted against. I think that was the 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 spark that set off the powder keg of basically I'm going to now just sell this thing and and screw all of you. And, and I really think that you can couch it in whatever kind of benefiting the shareholders and all this kind of thing, mumbo jumbo that they put out there to justify it. But I really think that's what it is, because here's the thing. It, the, the company, as we've all talked about, it was going to get sold within the next couple of years. It was headed that way. But I think with the changing of the guard, I think Paul and Stephanie, they wanted to make their mark. They wanted to kind of like get it into a different place before that happened. It was going to be sold. But the difference is with Vince not in the picture, when it gets sold, he has no say over anything. He has no he loses all power because even his majority voting power would be gone once it's sold. He wanted to be there because he knows that if he sells it, if he's the one that sells it, he could put in whatever qualifications and riders and 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 requirements that benefit him the most including most likely some type of power or authority in whatever the new version of the company will be and i really think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day it is just an extremely extremely self-serving uh move and, and that's all it is yeah, I, I you mentioned Donald Trump and, and uh, I've thought about him a lot in, in all this, too. I mean, there's there's definitely some parallels there. And, and you know, um, except Vince, there's no secret. The <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and there's a secret that, that the two are, are friends and, and allies. So I do think um, there's some birds of a feathers as far as uh, how you you deal with uh, loss uh, or defeat. Um, but. The, the the one thing that Nick Khan talked about that I I have you know does sort of ring true for better or for worse is this notion that this was Vince Vince's company right this is his yes. Yes. and um, maybe it was naive all along to think that uh, anything other than this was going to happen especially given that he was still majority a shareholder so you always had to reckon with the fact that this is still his company. Um, know, so when but... I talk about potentially good news, is there the potential to finally make that clean break? And, and I would think that that would be more likely with a sale to an Amazon or an, an NBC, a Universal, Comcast. Um, less likely with the one that that's been the most rumored, which is a, a Saudi sale where they would go private. I mean, as far as like a worst case scenario, I think that's it, right? I mean, they. They sell to the Saudis. They go back to being private, zero accountability, and Vince is installed uh, very much as kind of the dictator of the whole thing. And um, 
I think that's bad for everyone. I mean, I, I, I just don't see an upside to that at all, Kevin. Yeah, I think there was a lot of uh, quite a bit of reasonable concern when that was being strongly suggested that that's where things were headed. Um, of course, any rumors that popped up on social media around that being an inevitability, well, that's not quite the case. There are, are certain uh, hurdles you have to clear, as uh, Nick Khan said on the, the Bill Simmons podcast. There are uh, shareholders that need to be notified. You know, you have to, you can't just sell a giant publicly traded corporation overnight. Um, however, there was this quality, and this is just personal intuition here, uh, in the language that Vince used when he was, you know, attempting to get back to his seat at the, as chairman of the board of directors, that kind of, hey, I know about this great, great opportunity we have, but the only way we can do it is if I come back on board and lead this sale. What does he know? Who is he talking to already? You know, and I mean, there's, of course, evidence also that he was uh, meeting with people from other companies. Regardless, you have a, a situation where if the operation is, you know, turned private again and Vince is given free reign over it, I don't think that's good for anybody in terms of job security, in terms of uh, how the show is run, the creative process. I mean, I think most people, even diehard defenders of, of, of the old way that Vince was doing things, could reasonably argue that the show is not better now. Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, anything. Um, because a lot of these Vince quirks that let's face it, a lot of them he developed over the years, they weren't always the case. Uh, and, uh, and preferences for things that he developed and bad comedy and, and, and really just hack stuff, um, on a creative level, it's going to make the show a lot harder to watch. You know, I, the viewership is higher since he left. Um, the stock price went up when he retired, uh, and you generally have all these people who were let go, who like they wanted nothing more than to come back. And now faced with the prospect of him being involved in some of these operations again, you know, potentially because he doesn't just because he came back under the pretenses of facilitating a sale does not mean he stays that way. It's just a mess. It's not a, not yeah. a great situation. And you've had since then, you've had some people ousted from the board of directors. You've had uh, others step down. You've had Stephanie resign from the company. You've had, uh, the heads of communication and public relations for the company who are now just completely out, including Adam Hopkins. I mean, he was there for better part of a quarter of a century and now yes. he's gone. So, and these are generally people who are very well liked within the company and then just poof, they're gone. And, you know, voluntary or not, you have the situation where things feel very chaotic over there. Um, I do think we're headed toward a sale. It, we can discuss about, have a discussion about who the, the new owners may be. Um, but I, I don't think this is a great situation for WWE to be in. It's, it's as negative uh, in terms of outlook for the company, in my opinion, as it was positive when he, when he departed initially, you know? And I, yeah. I also think it's a sad state of affairs in term. And I don't think this is being talked about enough. Maybe it's because everybody's just so hopeless about it, but right. in terms of accountability, I mean, yeah. it's like, I don't know, it, it almost is exhausting to talk about it, but to, the, the, of zero accountability. And look, someone, you mentioned Adam Hopkins, and I want to say, and this is because I knew them both, somebody else who'd been there almost as long as he was there. Well, 
you know, about 20 years, not as well known to outsiders, but another VP of communication, Stephanie Fiandella. The reason I mention her is because Stephanie, who started there straight out of college, I mean, just an absolute success story. She, one of the things she did within the company is she headed up, I forget what the exact name of it was, but it was a group that was created by Stephanie to be um, designed for female employees of WWE, like, you know, in a male dominated industry to, yeah. to have, to make connections, to share information, to, to kind of have a safe space there. She resigned and, and, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but you can't tell me that at least part of that wasn't because like, how can I get up in the morning? I am the head of the, of this women's resource group within WWE. Right. This man is now back and running things. And what am I supposed to tell all these female employees? Like, you can't tell me that's at least not part of it, of, of, of what's going on there, because what the message that it sends Another thing, hearing related to that, hearing Nick Khan, one of the mm -hmm. things that bugged me to no end was him describe the Rita Chatterton allegations as basically just an obstacle and an encumbrance, the words he used to assail. It's, insult, it's so and insulting. Look, it is so disturbing. And here's the thing. Look, I'm not naive. I'm not cynical. I've worked there. I understand that's the way a lot of these guys think. I'm not, you're not going to change that, but the audacity to feel safe, to say it out loud on a podcast listened to by millions of people, the, the very high profile show to just flippantly say that and not have any concern that it's going to be taken the wrong way. That's what bothers me more than anything is just this, yeah. the confidence in those views is what I bugs me. And did you hear the Wall Street see the Wall Street Journal report yesterday relating to Rita Chatterjee? Yes. A settlement, right? Yeah, yeah. There, there was a settlement, and he probably already knew about that because it happened last month. Right. Yeah, yeah. That that's the part where I I am trying to be optimistic, and there's very little to be optimistic about. Uh, but this is a circumstance where if the company is sold um, and it goes in the right hands. It could be an improvement. And for some of the, the same um, issues we were just talking about with Jay Briscoe, some of the frustrations of uh, corporately owned uh, or corporately run wrestling, um, you know, the, the reason why why they won't do much to um, celebrate Jay Briscoe, uh, some of that could help here uh, because there is such a stink to Vince McMahon that you would think a um, a, a legitimate uh, uh, a corporation that bought WWE would want to get as far away from Vince McMahon as as possible. I can't imagine that a Comcast-owned WWE or an Amazon-owned WWE or or Disney or I don't know who else is in, in the discussion um, would be okay with it. Now, the flip side, again, you go private and you go to the Saudi government and forget about it. I mean, um, uh, all bets are off. Uh, but you know, it kind of makes me root for a, a Comcast to make a deal that is uh, too good to turn down. And uh, the company remains uh, public. And I don't know the logistics of it, uh, but they get rid of Vince McMahon once and for all. And it's sort of a shame that we're even having, I mean, like th this discussion, this guy who was like the father of, of pro wrestling, uh, 
But I, I think at this point, it's sort of indisputable that he's just a complete negative force. Um, I don't see the upside to Vince McMahon running WWE at all. You know, I think it's all bad and no good. Yeah, and, and I also think there's a couple of things here. And, uh, you know, he's now that there's been generations of fans that grew up watching his product, you know, and, and that see him as this like grandfatherly figure, like this Walt Disney figure or whatever. We can't forget the fact that this man destroyed the wrestling industry once before. He destroyed <laughs> it. He did. He destroyed it to to make room for what he wanted for his own company. And now it's almost like he's ready to just destroy it again in a different way to, to serve a, once again his own needs and uh, his own ego, his own financial desires. He, he's ready to just blow it all up again. Uh, but the thing that you can't forget, and this has been talked about, but here's the problem with a Comcast or somebody else like that coming in. This is a company where their main source of revenue is media rights fees. If you own the company, where is the income coming from? So so yeah. Comcast goes, oh, we're paying all this money for media rights fees to WWE because of Peacock and USA Network. Let's just buy them. Great. So now nobody's paying media rights fees to anybody. So, so I'm even wondering how attractive are they as a purchase? This is not Marvel. This is not Star Wars. I, I, it's just not. I don't know what if the upside is as strong, especially when you have to sit across the table from someone like Vince McMahon, that you have to hold your nose to begin with. Like these companies have to think about the upside of this. I don't know how attractive of a buy it is. It's content, though, and and if you're, um, Comcast owns NBC Universal. Is that right? Yeah. Or they yes. own, yeah. So it it, it um, I mean, if you're ever on Peacock, so much of it is WWE. I mean, it it really has got to be one of like the big drivers of, uh, subscriptions. So, it's content and right. I mean, it's the difference between renting or, or owning, right? So maybe just uh, it makes sense for them to to own it just so you're not shelling out um the the, the money uh but right i mean where's the revenue their live attendance is fine it's not you know i think it's better than it's been in the past but it, it's not what it was the you numbers know. they're doing in live right. attendance now if they were doing not a thing them 20 anymore. years ago they'd be going out of business you know yeah Right, yeah, but their so, model has shifted so much. I mean, they're right. they're not like a new Japan where so much of it is based on the live gate. It is as Al said, it's the it's the media rights. It's the uh, you know I mean, you generate money through digital channels as well, like YouTube and things of that nature. You generate money through right, yep. merchant through selling selling uh, stuff at WWE shop and at the live events. You know, sometimes those are are. Uh, we, there's a tendency to look at those things as the cherry on top, but those can be great drivers of revenue as well. A couple other uh, names that have been floated that are really intriguing. Um, one is the Khan family. Uh, the other Khans, uh, uh, Tony Khan um, and and his father, uh, mm. which are just, I mean, would be incredible. And you, and you talk about like the ultimate irony, you know, if if they ended up buying WWE and there was some kind of merger. I don't know how realistic that is beyond the fact that we know the Khans have a crap ton of money, right? So it's not. Um, but they don't have Comcast money, though. Yeah. Yeah, there would um, be, if they were to do it, they would need to have somebody backing them. It couldn't right. just be Shad Khan writing a check. I mean, that would be, you know, that would be suicidal from 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 his point of view and economically, financially speaking, to do that. I mean, why would yeah. you do that? 
And then the other one, and, and I think what, what you just said certainly applies uh, here too, is uh, Dwayne Johnson. You know, could he be part of some um, investor group that could buy a WWE? In, in I'd, I'd be less sort of bullish about that because um, I think in that scenario, we could see Vince McMahon stick around because I think there's a lot of reverence and respect there for well, Dwayne Johnson for Vince McMahon. Well, you saw the cons say in one of the most condescending things I've ever heard of just the thought of it, that they would entertain the notion of keeping Vince on if they bought the company. Could you imagine like they're just Vince McMahon working for, I, mean, I just think here's, that's a fantasy. I, I, w- I, I would rather it be uh, Triple H or Stephanie than him, but I yeah. will say if they do, and, and I think it's a snowball's chance in hell that they w- would ever per- be the, the ones to buy it, but if the Khan family bought it, somebody else needs to run WWE. You can't have Tony's already doing way too much. Right. Um, you know, arguably he should be handing off Ring of Honor or parts of AEW just because for the sake of uh, people to to oversee, make it more consistent because there are weeks where it's really good. And then there are, uh, you know, details that get lost because it's mostly one guy doing all this himself. I mean, I can speak to that as the only editor here in our office it's it's nowhere near the same scale but it can, it can get difficult to keep track of all the moving parts and you really do need to be able to to rely on other people to to guide you so i i would just uh i i think them purchasing it is a bad idea for many reasons you know i don't want to see a monopoly but and i think it would be bad for aew too yeah no i think so i think you'd end up seeing aew fall by the wayside they'd be completely overshadowed i mean if you've invested yeah. that much money in WWE, which is essentially like a far bigger brand, far bigger mm. money-making potential, AEW becomes like, it's going to just atrophy, if not just become absorbed in a worst-case scenario. Like, why would you, you're not going to give the same attention to it anymore, even if you have somebody else running WWE for you. That's If that's still the lion's share of your income, that's going to be where your attention goes. I don't think there'd be a need for an AEW. I mean, and again, this is pie in the sky. I don't expect it to happen. But in a scenario where it did happen, I would assume Tony Khan would just shift to running WWE and and AEW gets uh, absorbed into the WWE umbrella. WWE is the brand. um, And he gets to run the the biggest wrestling brand in in the universe. um, So he's not just trying... So he's not just trying to buy that valuable WWE tape library. In other words. <laughs> <laughs> you touched on it, Kevin. We should talk about it because this is a really important part of the story. Um, and that is uh, Stephanie and, and Triple H. Um, we could talk about the future. In, in, in Stephanie's case, we already know what the future is, or at least the present. She, she's gone. Um, you know, she, she put out the diplomatic statement saying she wants to return to spending time with her family and she's going to be cheering WWE on. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that. Triple H has uh, reportedly now held a couple of meetings with talent over the last couple of weeks, offering reassurances that nothing is going to change. This is what you hear whenever, you know, there's a big uh, uh, management shift or ownership uh, uh, shift. And I'm sure he's being told that. uh, Stephanie just held one of those meetings like a few weeks ago too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that might be the case for the moment. um, But I don't believe even Triple H believes that, right? I mean, the the, the how, how long before um, it is a hundred percent, you know, business? How long before Vince is back on on the headset screaming in Michael Cole's ear? Oh no! 
Yeah. And Michael Cole, who's been doing somersaults, essentially, yeah, since, yeah. since Vince has been gone. And who's this been... has got to be just so deflating for everybody yeah. over there. Yeah. 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 I think there's going to be books written about this, documentaries. There's so much going on that we don't know right now. But you you just there's there's got to be so much turmoil because this is not normal this kind especially the stephanie situation i'm leaving i'm back i'm leaving again like that's just not a normal way to run a business no matter how you want to rationalize it and explain i know nick Khan gave reasons of why it went down and all that stuff and i've heard things and i'm sure you guys may have heard of just like when when these corporate nice little statements aren't coming out that stephanie was very much blindsided by a lot of this and and i think i might have read it in the observer or somewhere of just her being actually pretty upset when it when it all came down and not just saying oh well my dad is back i'm no longer needed here so long yeah. everyone like it wasn't it was not like that and and we know that stephanie and and triple h opposed a sale and they voted against vince coming back i mean it, it cannot be a healthy dynamic I mean, I would not be holding my breath for Triple H staying on as creative, whatever his title is, content officer, to be honest with you. It just would be, you'd be foolish to think that he's going to be there in the long term for that. I just, I just don't see it. Yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, you wish there was some way for uh, WWE, uh, its talent, its employees to sort of collectively stand up and say, you know, we're not having it. And I don't know, you boycott Raw or WrestleMania or something like that. Uh, because it, it and, and and I don't expect any of it to happen, but it really is. Uh, it's sort of heartbreaking. I mean, that especially because, again, we had a few months there where you saw how good it could be. And all you heard was stories of um, wrestlers kind of being happy to, to come to work. Right. And, and we've all had you know, those jobs, right. Where you've got the, the, the right manager and it's just, it's just great. You know, like the morale in the locker room is great. And then, you know, the, the, then Kevin gets hired. <laughs> I <can't>. well then. <laughs> uh, but, I thought you were going a different direction with that. And you were, and you were going to knock Stu, you know? <laughs> no, I'm mean, definitely not uh, of any of my pro wrestling illustrated experience, but, but in other jobs, um, for sure. And it's just deflating. I mean, you know what it, it is to work for like a boss where you, you hate it and you hate coming to work um, every day. Um, and yeah. I, I think for for so long, you know, wrestlers and, and everybody in WWE didn't know anything else. Right. I mean, this is just what it is. And, and Brian, you can speak to this. You lived it. Um, yeah, I was going to say it is to work for WWE. And, and then you saw, oh, wow, it could be better. Right. Right. I was going to say, like, in, you're talking about everybody's had that experience of working for that company and having that boss. And I was going to say, yeah, I've had that experience you literally at, the, did, at yeah. the exact <laughs> company we're talking about right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was I mean, did you get ever get a I mean, no. Right. I mean, Vince was. Uh, was there ever a semblance of this uh, in, in uh, there was change management changes in the magazine? Well, right? there was because. It was like Vince. Vince was is always very hands on, you know. Like we used to talk about, we used to laugh about how this would be like if Michael Eisner had to approve Disney, like goofy baseball hats at Disney. Like if they would bring him the design and he had to pick which one. But and that's the level of control that Vince always wanted. And it would the problem is it would trickle down. So we didn't have to deal with him on a daily basis, but we did have a period where we had to deal with Shane on a daily right. basis. He was our boss, and look, it's a complicated relationship. 
Shane is a very nice guy, and he is the most down-to-earth and approachable person of that family, without question. But he had his dad on him. And so as a result of that, it trickled down, and it was like he felt like he had to act almost as the proxy of his dad. So and he changed a lot. You know, there were people that worked for him when he first started there that said it was a very different experience. The experience I had, it was it became like what TV was with Vince. Very hectic, crazy hours, on call, things changing at the last minute, 40 different covers for approval, like just madness. And it was like that trickle down mania that's what was going on and so we we definitely felt that a lot of people felt that it sh it shouldn't have had to be that way i don't think he would have run it that way shane if he got to do it his own way um it didn't need to be run that way we all know a magazine with a four yeah. week lag time like you don't need to run it that way it doesn't have to be like we're at the new york times every second you know every right. putting out a two editions a day but that's what it became and it was because of it's that I hate to say it, it's that toxicity of having somebody like that at the top. Yeah. It infects everything. It's very true. And 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 one of the things that that again makes this so sort of compelling and just weird is that family dynamic that it is Vince at the helm and um you know he steps away and his daughter is installed as CEO and her husband Vince's son-in-law is running creative and um, so on top of, uh, all the dynamics of, of different visions for management, there's also family politics. And I, and I think about, it, I mean, how weird this must be for, for Stephanie with being stuck, caught between her father and her husband or, or for, for Triple H for that matter. Um, and all of that, um, it influences Vince, your decisions, right? I mean, you can't you can't purely do what you feel is right because there's so many other factors you have to consider. And it's and all she's ever known, too. Right. It is. It is. And didn't Vince allude to in a, an interview? I don't know if it was in the Pat McAfee show or somewhere else, but it was he doesn't do a lot of other interviews um, saying that, like, family can really disappoint you, too, sometimes when you're in business with family. Yeah, that, that's all <laughs> I've been thinking very about. Ominous. I, I very never ominous. felt like I would be in a position to have sympathy and pity for Stephanie McMahon, but I but I do. And it feels terrible. And I don't understand sometimes it's almost like a self-flagellation. It's like here you have a father, like you said, Kevin, and he did this publicly downing his own kids, making them out to be incompetent and he can't rely on them. Now he's out of the company and she's on TV cheerleading and thanking him and, and tears in her eyes, my daddy, this and that. And then after that, he comes back and kicks her out again. Like how, how long could you take stuff like that? You know what I mean? As a, yeah. as a kid of somebody like that, even if you're a little bit like him <laughs> as a kid of somebody like that, there's got to come a time where you finally say, all right, enough, I'm out, you know? Well, you know, that's just it. I mean, we talked about how uh, people who work for WWE have never known any other way. I, You know, when I think about this, I think a lot about Chris Jericho and how uh, Jericho, for, for all those years, said, I will I would never work for anybody other than Vince McMahon or, or never work for any other company in WWE. And then he got a taste of how it could be. Uh, and, he, and I think it's, it's sort of like... Um, you know, being kidnapped and and and, and be, your whole life living in prison, and then you see like there's a world outside, and and 
uh, that kind of thing, you know, um, and, and it, it does feel like that way. And 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 for those six months with uh, Triple H, and it's interesting that, um, and again, I, if 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 anybody comes out looking good here, I think it's Triple H because I, I I've just been so blown away by how professional and diplomatic and and just what a good job uh, he did, N- not just in running a wrestling company. But in navigating all of this, you know, uh, he he always uh, you talk about the politics. I mean, he has been like the consummate politician in, in a good way that he has been able um, to. And even till now, I think he, he's saying all the right things. And it's going to drive him nuts, you know, because like you had this thing. Right. I mean, it, it, it was his for a little while and I guess still technically is. Uh, but he's got to feel it slipping away. And, and what can you do? You know, it's, it's, um, it's not only the guy who, who brought you in and sort of like helped uh, uh, bring you to this level. It's your wife's dad. You know, it's, it's just, um, it, it, it's got to be really, really frustrating for him. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyhow, uh, anything else you want to cover uh, on this? You know, um, is there an angle? What, what if anything... Um, does this mean for WrestleMania? Uh, you know, we're, we're now getting into the, the road to WrestleMania, Roy Rumble in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, there's various reports about whether the rock is in or, or is not, but does WrestleMania look different? My thought is, um, Vince will get a lot more hands on for, for this show. Right. I mean, he, it, it, he, he's kind of like let go of WWE for the last several months um and regardless of of ratings and success and kind of like praise from from fans and pundits um it's not his it's not his vision for wwe and i think certainly going into the the biggest show of the year and and a particularly big one hollywood you know they've they've sold all these seats um i think he's gonna grab this you know and and make it clear that this is his wrestlemania Hmm. i think if Rock Roman does happen, and there's conflicting reports about that. I think that has been his top priority for several years. Uh, so maybe that's enough to satiate him in a way. Um, he also, you know, to to his credit in this case, saw the value in bringing back Cody Rhodes as the American Nightmare and putting him on pace to, you know, compete for the WWE Championship at, at a presumably a big event like WrestleMania. So I think some of the plans that Vince may have had, big picture, wouldn't look all that different uh, than what Triple H has done. But it's the in the weeds stuff, and it's yeah. the whether he wants to micromanage the rest of the card, as Brian yeah. would say. We'll know if there's an angle involving um, like Cody driving a truck into uh, Roman Reigns, something involving a Ah! a large vehicle backstage. Right. Uh, We'll know Vince is back. We'll we'll also know if if he decides to main event again against Stone Cold Steve Austin like he did last year, then we'll definitely know he's back. I I mean, um, I I think that the decision making, it almost feels like a lot of this stuff, it gets to like an autopilot phase where it's like inevitable in a way. But but I think um, I'm not saying that Vince isn't going to go back to like full creative control. I think that's a very possible scenario. But I also wonder if in the short term, especially being away now six months, taking time off and then focusing on like this corporate stuff, if part of him might actually be semi-relieved especially with the product doing well 
that he doesn't have to deal with the constant grind of TV saying, okay, it's in, it's in pretty good hands. People seem to like it. The ratings are strong. Maybe I just focus on corporate things and big picture things. And even when it comes to TV creative, I'm not saying I'm not going to be involved at all, but I deal with big picture things. I'm not on the headset. I'm not deciding what color boots Seth Rollins wears. I'm not deciding every angle on TV. I'm the guy that goes like, okay, yes, that's your main event. Or no, I don't like that. Or, or, Or I'm the guy who steps in and goes, why are we pushing this guy? Maybe I'm not doing every little thing. So I think that could be a possible scenario, at least in the short term, until a sale happens or whatever, where it's like he's not managing the minutia because he doesn't feel like he has to right now. Yeah, I think that's the best case scenario. And I, and I think they'd probably say that that's where this is headed. Um, but even if that's the intention, I just can't imagine, you know, Carrion uh, 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 Cross is is going to uh, go out there, presumably at some point, and, and have a big match with Rey Mysterio. And uh, I'm sure Vince is going to be watching, saying, what the hell is this guy doing there? You know, I told you this guy is no good. Um, and, and I think that's going to be the case for, you know, everybody who he let go, the Triple H uh, uh, got back. So I think as much as, as he could tell himself and say that I'm, you know, I'm going to let Triple H run this, uh, I just don't think he's going to allow himself to. And, and um, every, it, it's fine when the, the visions kind of coincide and um, or at least not, it's not that much of a departure, but whenever Vince uh, will see something that he is very much opposed to, and it could be, it could be, you know, the use of, of the word wrestling, you know, um, it's, it's, I think it, it's all going to go back to the way it was. It's really <laughs> disheartening. Uh, uh, and, and, uh, Again, I think about like, man, we had it so good for a few months there. (laughs) You know? Yes, I'll say. Yeah. Anyhow, thanks so much, guys. Uh, Kevin, I hope you could do something with this (laughs) for for the uh, the magazine. We have a lot. Yeah, break out the the, the auto-transcribe software. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Um, so, uh, like I said, I hope to be back soon talking about the uh, the Year in Wrestling, the Achievement Awards, um, going through all that. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, Until then... um, Thanks so much, guys. Anything you want to plug real quick? For me, it's just the usual stuff. It's the Blood and Fire, uh, my chic biography. I do have a new book in the works. I can't talk about it yet. I'm just dying to talk about Such it. Such a tease. I know. Like Stacey, uh, Brian, or Brian, I, here. <laughs> Brian, after all these months, I have I've been like a uh, tortoise uh, trying to run its way through a book. Um, just, I had, I was reading, uh, Keith Elliott Greenberg's previous newest book first and yours was next on deck. And I finally started it a couple of days ago and I'm, I'm moving through and it's delightful. So thank you so much. Copy. Thank you. I'm sorry. It's taken this long and I enjoyed yeah, the really? presentation that you wrote to me. <laughs> <laughs> there is the audio version too. You know, you could, Oh, that's also very true. I, uh, I wish I had a slightly longer commute, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much, uh, and uh, we'll be back soon.